This is Alan Johnson, pastor of Old Peachtree Presbyterian Church in Duluth, Georgia. The Bible is God's Word. It describes itself as living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Therefore, any encounter with the Bible is a momentous thing because it never leaves us unchanged. My prayer for you as you hear this message is that the Holy Spirit will use it in your life to inform your mind, to feed your soul, and to help you grow in your faith in Christ. Please turn with me this morning to Psalm 134. Psalm 134. With this psalm, we reach the end of our series of studies in the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, next week, the plan is to, uh, to, to look, at, uh, look at a text in relation to the capital campaign. And then uh, two Sundays from now, Lord willing, we'll begin a series of studies in the New Testament book of Romans. But this morning we are in Psalm 100. 34, as we close out the series in the Songs of Ascents. Hear the word of God. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Thanks to the Lord for his word. Let's pray together. Lord, we do uh, come before you and bless you now and thank you for your word. Father, we pray as we study it together now that your spirit will guide us, that you would lead us into a good understanding of your word and right application of it to our lives. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The word bless is an interesting and somewhat flexible word. If someone sneezes, you often hear, bless you. Do you ever wonder why? Well, apparently it's, at least in some instances, connected to the thought that uh, when you sneezed, your heart would skip a beat or it would stop. And the bless you is kind of a verbal application of the paddles to make sure your heart got going again. Now, I don't know if there's any truth to that or not. Uh, the German word Gesundheit means the same, it means health. That's the German word for health. Apparently it's kind of the same, the same thing. Uh, oftentimes when we pray for someone, we might say, Lord, we just pray you'll just bless so and so. Lord, bless the missionaries. What are we praying for? What do we mean by the word bless? You know, if you, if you pity someone, you might say, bless his heart. You know, bless his little heart, especially if you live in the South, you might say that. Bless his heart. Um, in fact, sometimes uh, the word can be an auto-antonym. It can mean one thing, but it can mean its opposite, or at least we use it that way. Because sometimes we'll talk about just blessing somebody out. And we're not talking about hoping good for them, Right. So sometimes the word bless is even used to mean, ironically, exactly the opposite. So the word bless uh, is a flexible word, but what does it mean? And especially our concern here today is to know what does it mean biblically? What does it mean as it's used in God's word? Well, that is what Psalm 134 is about, because bless, you may have noticed, is a prominent word in this psalm. 
This psalm is the last, uh, shortest of the psalms of ascent. Psalms 120 through 134, those 15 psalms that have to do with the thought of pilgrimage, uh, journey, whether physically and literally, for the Jewish pilgrims who would make their way to Jerusalem for the feast, for the various festivals there. Uh, for From our point of view, uh, we've looked at it and tried to see what we can learn from these pilgrim psalms, not as literal pilgrims to Jerusalem, but as God's people, uh, aliens, sojourners in this world, making our way to the new Jerusalem, to the celestial city, the lessons that we can learn about life along the way uh, and about the destination that we are striving for. Now, Psalm 134 serves as something of a, a conclusion, uh, as a finale to those Psalms of Ascent. It serves to round out this, this sub-collection within the larger collection of Psalms. And while it does serve as something of a benediction uh, to, the, to the Psalms of Ascent to draw it to a close, uh, as we look at it, we, we just looking at those three short verses, we see that it contains both a call to worship or an exhortation to worship and a benediction. Both a call to worship and a benediction. And so we'll look at it under those two headings. First of all, uh, looking at it, the first couple of verses, in terms of being a call to worship or an exhortation to worship God. Notice what it says. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Now, what are we to make of that? Well, we, the first thing we need to do when it says servants of the Lord is not immediately apply that to ourselves. Well, we're all servants of the Lord. Well, that's not what it's talking about, at least not in its specific sense. Remember, this has to do with going to Jerusalem. And we've been part of that journey uh, as we started out uh, earlier in the summer uh, with Psalm 120, starting from this place of distress, uh, as, as it says there, Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshach and that I dwell among the tents of Kedar, far away in this difficult place. And we've come all the way now. We've uh, talked about the journey, talked about being in Jerusalem, some of the Psalms specifically dealing with Jerusalem, the goal, the destination, uh, just like, you know, if you're setting out on a road trip to Disney World. You know, the kids are going to talk about Disney World and what's there and what they're looking forward to there. Well, that's what they were doing. They talk about Jerusalem and the architecture and the layout and how everybody would gather there in anticipation of it. Uh, and so been part of this journey, but we need to remember that this is in the context of going to and being in Jerusalem. Who are the servants of the Lord that are referred to here? Well, it seems to be talking about the priesthood, those who serve in the office of serving the Lord in the temple. And so as we look at it, what is going on here? Well, it's an exhortation to the servants of the Lord there in the temple, particularly, you'll notice, those who stand by night in the house of the Lord. So we sort of have to use our imaginations a little bit here as we think about the setting of this psalm or how it might have, what it might have been in the mind of the, the psalmist. But it seems to me this is something of the scene. It's kind of like saying goodbye. You know, they've been in Jerusalem. They've, they've celebrated the feast. The day is over. Maybe their time, several days, is, is over. And it's getting to be time to go home, either setting out that evening or setting out early the next morning. 
and uh, the sun is going down, maybe it's already down, and they go back to the temple, and the temple is busy, especially during the festivals. There's the need to be baking the showbread. There are those who serve you know, during the, the night, through the night, those who guard it just to, to, to watch over it. Uh, and so it seems that uh, maybe their, their stay in Jerusalem has come to an end. It's getting to be time to set out to go home, but they wanted to go back in one last time and just to see the place. And they see those who serve in the night uh, beginning to take up their duties things that are beginning to happen there, and they call upon them to serve the Lord. They encourage them in their duties and what they are doing, exhorting them to continue their work, those who serve particularly overnight in the house of the Lord. Now, there's a call here to bless the Lord, you servants of the Lord, stand by night in the house of the Lord. Specifically, verse 2, lift up your hands to the holy place, and bless the Lord. Now, a couple of things we want to think about there. First of all, the posture. Lift up your hands. When it, when it talks about that, um, it's not talking about just a general lifting up the hands. I think it would be inappropriate in one sense to use this verse to say, see, we should have our hands up in worship. Mine aren't that flexible that way. I really have to work. Although I did notice at Six Flags, I had no trouble having my hands up the whole time on the roller coasters. I mean, I did Goliath hands up the whole time, okay, which was great fun, floating over the top and so forth, over the tops of the hills. Um, it's funny how many Presbyterians have no trouble getting their hands up on a roller coaster. Uh, never would in a worship service, but that's okay. That's just, you know, that's how we worship. It's good. But that's not what this is talking about. This is in a very specific sense uh, a posture of worship, yes, but uh, you'll notice the passage we read from Leviticus chapter 9. Talking, of course, about the youth group trip to Six Flags a couple weeks ago. But you'll notice verse, verse 22, Leviticus 9, 22, Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. It is a specific posture, uh, in this case, of the priesthood for offering Blessing in that case toward the people, but here Psalm 134, the, the the pilgrims are exhorting the servants of the Lord there who serve by night in the house of the Lord to lift your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord to pronounce this blessing upon the Lord. And so that's that's the gesture. But what is it they are to do when it says they are to bless the Lord? What does the word mean? Well, in Scripture. The word translated bless is a somewhat flexible word. It seems in its root idea, it has kind of the idea of kneeling, uh, although as it's often used, that may be strictly incidental if it's in, in mind at all. Um, it doesn't even mean so much to praise, uh, although the NIV particularly has a habit of translating the word for bless as praise, even though there's another word that distinctly means to praise, uh, halal. Uh, you are familiar, more familiar with that Hebrew word than you think, because the word hallelujah, praise the Lord, comes from that, halal, to praise. Um, certainly the word to bless would encompass that. It does have the, the idea of praising the Lord, but it seems to be maybe a little bigger than than just to praise. Uh, rather, it seems to have the idea of, of recognizing who God is 
and that we would respond appropriately to him and that he would respond according to his to, to who he is. It has the idea of pronouncing good upon him. In in the Lord's case, pronouncing um good, our our favor toward who he is, toward his holiness, toward his majesty, um, and in turn, when God blesses us, pronouncing good upon us. You're familiar, perhaps, in the Old Testament, uh, when, when Israel was on the, the two mountains, Gerizim and Ebal, pronouncing uh, blessings, the covenant blessings and curses. What are the curses? We understand curses is to pronounce evil upon, to pronounce uh, judgment upon, to pronounce difficulty upon. Uh, or in that case, to pronounce God's displeasure and his wrath upon. Well, so blessing would be just the opposite. The blessings from Mount Gerizim were blessings of prosperity, of peace, of rest, of joy. And, and the curses were just the opposite, of, of want, of difficulty, of strife. So to bless seems to be pronouncing good upon, to acknowledging and pronouncing good upon someone. And so that's the, 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 what the priests are called upon to do here, to, to bless the Lord in the sense of acknowledging who he is, of pronouncing their favor, their delight in who he is. Uh, and that's, that's what he's calling upon them to do. Interestingly, um, even biblically, the word bless can mean the opposite. When Job's wife says to Job in his suffering, why don't you just get it over with? Just curse God and die. The Hebrew word is the word for bless. So even while we may ironically say to bless someone out in English, Hebrew also has that sense of using blessing ironically as cursing. Curse God and die. She uses the word there for blessing, to bless. Same word that's used here. So interestingly, Hebrew has that same ironic use of the word to bless as well. But that's what he's, he's calling upon them to do. Is there's looking at it, thinking about the temple there, the night service, he's calling upon them to be faithful, to be awake through the night, to give the Lord his due, his due worship, his due service, not only during the day, but through the night. God is a God who is worthy of our worship 24 hours a day. And so that's what's going on here. This exhortation to bless the Lord, this call to worship. But the second half of this psalm is a benediction. You see it in verse 3. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Now, there seems to be sort of an antiphonal dynamic here. You know the word antiphonal. It basically means echoing, back and forth. Um, there's a, there's a call to worship on the part of those who serve in the temple. Then verse 3 seems to be their answer back. In fact, may the Lord bless you is singular, as if there's one person calling out to them, and they answer back to him, may the Lord bless you from Zion, maker of heaven and earth. When I was in uh, high school band, we would play our spring concert every year, in uh, the Performing Arts Center at the University of Southern Mississippi. Beautiful, beautiful auditorium, just great, great sound. And one year, we played an arrangement, interestingly enough, of praise to the Lord the Almighty. And um, we had uh, it sort of featured trumpets, but more than just our own trumpet section, the high school band, uh, they got the trumpet players from the various, uh, we didn't call them middle schools, junior highs, 
to play as well. And uh, they were stationed in the balcony. And there's a section in that piece of music where we would play on the stage and then the trumpets in the balcony would echo back and kind of follow. It created a, a, just a, a great effect, you know, just in chills down your spine, uh, all these trumpets echoing one another. It really, really it could have been a disaster, but it really came off well uh, the, way it, the way it played out. Well, that's a little bit what happens here. There's an answer. There's an echo. As, as the one calls the servants to worship, they in turn respond back, May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Now, there's a lot there in verse 3. Uh, it speaks, of course, of, of the God of creation, the God of nature, who he is as the, uh, the sovereign ruler over this creation. And that's never far from the minds of the writers of Scripture, that this is God's world. He created it. He governs it, uh, even the sin of people, even the, the fallen and cursed nature of the world itself, a curse God himself put on it, is still under his sovereignty, uh, is still uh, under his control, so that he, he uses even the sin of people to accomplish his sinless purposes. But there's that acknowledgement here, that he is the one who made heaven and earth, and that alone uh, makes a tremendous difference in how we live in this world, to acknowledge that it's under God's sovereign rule and that it's not uh, as though things just happen to us by blind chance, that we truly are just victims of circumstance uh, or bad luck uh, or coincidence, but we believe in the sovereignty of God. There's more than that here. Of course, he is the one who made the heavens and the earth. But we notice the first part. May the Lord bless you from Zion. Now, again, picture in mind that they are at a place where they're about to go home. They're about to leave Zion. They're about to leave uh, the capital there, that, that spiritual center of their nation and the temple precincts that are center, uh, not geographically, but spiritually, of Jerusalem. And as they're about to head out, the priest, by pronouncing this blessing on this, this individual, and representing, of course, the whole, reminds them that though they may leave Zion, though they may scatter to the north, the east, wherever it is they've come from and wherever it is they're going, that they're not leaving the presence of the Lord. They're not leaving the blessing of God. And so basically what this amounts to is a benediction, a word that means good words. And of course, we're familiar with that uh, in that these two items bookend our services. There is a call to worship, and there is at the end the pronouncement of a benediction. Those things are not accidents. They're not just uh, something we thought up. But you see in Scripture that the Lord calls us to worship him, and then we, we do that through the various elements of the, of the liturgy. And then it ends with this pronouncing of blessing, this benediction. Not that the preacher has, in himself has power to, to bless you. Rather, he is declaring the blessing of God upon his people as you prepare to go out. Uh, and so, you know, our whole life is a pilgrimage toward the New Jerusalem. But if we want to think of it on a smaller scale, each week on the Lord's Day, we do uh, make a shorter pilgrimage and come to uh, this place to meet with the Lord, to worship him. Uh, to participate in these means of grace, the word, the sacraments, 
prayer, fellowship. The Lord has given to us to make us strong. But then we have to leave. It comes time to, to scatter, to go to our different places. And there's this declaration of blessing. That, that as we come into the presence of God intentionally in worship uh, and enjoy that, there comes the time when we have to leave. And while we may leave this place, we don't leave the Lord's presence. We don't leave behind the Lord's blessing. And that's what this reminds the pilgrim of as he's getting ready to set out. He calls upon the servants of the Lord in the temple to serve the Lord. But they in turn remind him that as he leaves, he leaves with the Lord's Blessing, And that wherever he goes, wherever he may be, uh, the blessing of Zion follows him. The Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. They're never out of God's presence. Though they may leave the temple, though they may leave Jerusalem, they're never away from the presence of the Lord and never beyond the reach of the blessing of Zion. Benediction, by the way, is not a prayer. It's not really asking for that. It is declaring that, though, again, not in the preacher himself, but declaring what God has already declared, his love for, his blessing upon his people. Because of that, a lot of people do like to close their eyes and bow their heads for it. That's fine. But uh, it's not really a prayer. It's more of a declaration of what is, not asking for something that we would hope would be. And so, in a sense, uh, it, it is. It provides the benediction uh, for these psalms of ascent. The journey has been made. They have been in Jerusalem. They've worshipped the Lord. It's time to go. And they exhort the priests to continue what they do, even in the night. And the priests, in turn, declare blessing upon this pilgrim. May the Lord bless you from Zion. So there's kind of this declaration. And then it's echo. It's answer. Uh, assuring a pilgrim of his blessings, the Lord's blessings as he heads out. Now, as we look at that, what are we to make of that? How would that relate to us today? Well, we don't go to a temple. I'm not a priest. This is not a temple. Uh, the, the coming together here for worship is simply, uh, as they did, to draw near to the presence of God together. But there's nothing particularly sacred about this building, and I'm not your intermediary between you and God. The Lord Jesus Christ is. Who is the priesthood today? Christ is the great high priest, but all of his people are his priesthood today. It seems to me that there's a passage in the New Testament that in some ways parallels pretty closely uh, Psalm 134. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Verses 9 and 10. After Peter has described how we are uh, chosen to be a, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to the Lord, he says in verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. A couple of things we note there. One, that we are a holy priesthood. That we, like the priests of old, have access to the presence of God. That we have the opportunity of uh, interceding for one another. We don't offer sacrifices. We stand on and point to the one sacrifice of the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It would just like those priests in the temple declare the blessing of God upon the pilgrim, we too proclaim the excellencies of the Lord to the world, yes, but also to one another. Paul speaks of singing to one another psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We bear witness to the world of the grace of God and the sacrifice of Christ, but we also declare that to one another. We preach that good news, that gospel to one another. And we are that priesthood that has the responsibility on the one hand of blessing the Lord and on the other hand of blessing one another and declaring the blessings of Zion upon one another. Our whole Christian life is a pilgrimage. It's one in which we have set out from the the degradation and the misery of our sin. Uh, Woe to me, dwelling in Meshach, the tents of Kedar, and setting out by God's grace toward the new Jerusalem, toward the heavenly city. Uh, We look forward to it. We talk about it, sing about it, anticipate it uh, as we make our way. And the Psalms of Ascent serve to remind us that we are, in fact, pilgrims. We are, in fact, on a journey, and we are heading toward a magnificent destination. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for these beautiful psalms, uh, just right in the middle of the book of Psalms. Father, we thank you for the insight that they give us into this journey that you've called us to, to undertake. And Lord, we thank you that as we do, that you're with us, that you keep us. Father, we thank you uh, for the destination that is ours, a glorious, glorious place. Uh, Lord, indeed, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what you have for those who are making this journey, who are in Christ Jesus. Father, in the meantime, help us as a holy priesthood in this world to adore you and declare your blessings to one another and to the world. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.